1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Our text this morning is verses 17 and 18 of chapter 5. Please give careful attention now to the reading of God's very word. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray again. Lord God, we confess that left to ourselves, we can't understand uh, the things uh, of you Uh, the eternal, magnificent God who is exalted above the heavens. And Lord, how we rejoice that you have made yourself known to us. Lord, everywhere we look, if we have eyes to see, we see the evidence of you, the creator and sustainer, of heaven and earth. And Lord, you deserve to be worshipped and adored just for that, for being the creator and the sustainer of all that we see, including ourselves. Lord, we also understand from your word that we are fallen in Adam, the first man, And Lord, you have not left us in the nightmare of being alienated from you, at war with you. But Lord, you have come by your spirit and and captured us in your amazing grace. You have taken out our heart of stone and given us a heart to repent and believe in you, all of us who have experienced the new birth. And so, Lord, we doubly owe you our praise. Uh, Lord, not only are you our creator, but you have recreated us. And so, Lord, uh, press these truths upon our hearts and change, Lord, the way we live because of them. You are worthy to be loved and adored, to be praised, to be thanked. In Jesus we pray, amen. Our text, pray without ceasing. Some of your other translations translate this Greek term, pray constantly. That's accurate, Uh, without ceasing, constantly. In other words, uh, uh, God calls upon us in this passage, giving us practical, everyday instructions uh, to those who have been rescued by the grace of God, uh, to those who are looking forward to uh, being in the Lord's presence, Uh, but we also as long as we have breath, have the joy uh, of, of serving the king. And our lives are, are, are basically uh, summed up in uh, the pleasure we have of running errands for the king of glory for a short time here uh, in this life. And, and then our time here will be over. Uh, and God will take us home. And so these practical instructions are for everyday life. And we come now today uh, to the next in this series of these everyday um, uh, duties, uh, privileges, responsibilities that Jesus places upon us as his little children. Pray without ceasing Give thanks in all circumstances or in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
Obviously, it is not possible for us to be mouthing words to God constantly in the sense of um, uh, having formal prayer, we would refer to it, because of all of the other commandments also that we are to be doing. But what this verse is getting at is that we're to have a running conversation with the living God. And that when we're not formally talking to God, which ought to be much, we ought to be living in the spirit of prayer with a sense of dependence upon Almighty God, with a sense of delighting in union and friendship and fellowship with Almighty God, which is what prayer is verbalizing. Prayer uh, in its formal sense is us talking to God. And we have that privilege, of course, because of the work of Jesus redeeming us, uh, opening up the throne room of heaven for us so that as his little children, uh, no matter where we are, no matter what time of day or night it is, no matter what our circumstances are, whether we are praying outwardly, mouthing words, or praying in our hearts, or living in that spirit of prayer, in joy in the presence of God, in humble dependence upon God, acknowledging uh, God in all that we are saying and doing and thinking. Uh, we are those who are instructed in our text today. God is telling us, here's what I want you to be doing. Henry, I want you to be praying constantly. And you can put your name in there. I want you to be praying constantly, giving thanks in everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, these two little verses are short, but they are so rich that we're going to spend two weeks at least, looking at them. And today we're going to look at the first circumstance where God instructs us to be praying. And then next week we'll look at the second circumstance. Now you might wonder, well, what are these two circumstances that we find ourselves in? Because he says, pray constantly, without ceasing, in everything, in all circumstances, give thanks to God. Well, over in the book of James, we're just going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture first. Um, in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 13. Here's a passage that tells us the two circumstances where it is appropriate for us to be praying. And we read in verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And so there you have it. Uh, if things are going great, what are we supposed to be doing? Singing praise to God, talking to God with a heart, saying, thank you, Lord. That's one circumstance. The other circumstance is if you're suffering, if you're in trouble, what should we be doing? Is anyone suffering? Let him pray. And so that pretty well sums up every circumstance we will ever find ourselves in. Constantly. We're either those who are in 
the midst of realizing the kind blessings of God that has been showered upon us and we have a, a, a measure to one degree or another of, of ease, enjoying the gifts of God. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And the other circumstance is uh, if anyone is suffering. And obviously there are degrees of being at ease. There are degrees of suffering. Uh, you can be just a little bit in your understanding of I need the help of God. Or you can be just utterly at the point of thinking uh, all is lost. But in all of the circumstances of life, God calls upon us to be praying. Pray without ceasing. Now there's another aspect. If you'll turn over uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Here is one of the passages that focus uh, our attention on, on prayer uh, in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Um, if, if you want to learn how to pray, uh, if, if you you children, you young people, you go, you know, I, I'm really, I don't know how to pray. Ask your mama and daddy to teach you how to pray. Uh, those of us who are older, um, if you're not comfortable praying, uh, come to one of the elders and say, would you teach me how to pray? I, I'm not comfortable praying. Well, Jesus' disciples said, we don't know how to pray. John taught his disciples how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And here's what Jesus said. And he said to them, when you pray, say. And this, of course, is the Lord's prayer that he then gives. And he says, memorize this prayer. And when you pray, say these words. You want to know how to pray? This is a good place to start for us. Memorize the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray, say. But in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus on another occasion gave the Lord's Prayer. And on that occasion, he said, When you pray, pray after this manner. And then he presented the Lord's Prayer. And so it's not only a prayer that would be good for us to memorize and say, it's also a prayer that is a pattern for praying. It's a paradigm for praying. Here's a prayer that you can pattern your prayers after. And if you don't really understand the implications of the various parts of the Lord's Prayer, I would encourage you to get either the shorter or the larger catechism and to go through that section because it takes each of these petitions and it breaks it down, bringing a host of other scriptures explaining what do these various parts of the prayer mean. And that way we can pattern our prayers after that. Well, after he gives the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11, notice he teaches us something else about prayer, not just the content of prayer, but about this matter of praying without ceasing, that we ought to be consistently, persistently praying. We ought to be praying all the time. We ought to be finding ourselves talking to God. It ought to be the natural thing that happens when we find ourselves in a time of ease. Automatically, 
we ought to be finding ourselves saying thank you to Jesus. And when we are in trouble, when we are suffering, little suffering or bone-crushing suffering, we ought to be in the habit of finding ourselves standing in life on our knees. I, I, I love that expression. I heard a pastor not too long ago describe that that's how the Christian lives, that we stand in life on our knees. We stand in life by being on our knees. This idea of, of we're, we're praying. Well, Jesus in verse 5, He said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or his importunity or persistence, all of those words describe this uh, praying without ceasing. Uh, he just wouldn't quit. He was knocking at the door. Go away, we're in bed. You know, you're going to wake the babies up. Scram. I told you, I'm not getting up. And finally, he goes, okay. If you're not going to shut up until I come and answer the door, okay. And he gets up and comes and answers the door. Not because he was his friend but just because of his persistence. Now, the point is not that God is stingy and hard-hearted, but if we would treat one another that way, and you can just picture in your mind's eye, you know, Henry shows up at 2 a.m. and I'm beating on your door and you finally go, oh, for crying out loud, I, I, I want some sleep. And you come down and open the door and give me a loaf of bread just so that you can go back to sleep. But God, He is not like that. And the argument is, uh, what a contrast that our God is anxious to give good gifts to His little children. Unlike the friend who wouldn't act because he was a friend. Oh, our God, our gracious, good God. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And all of those verbs are in the present tense that have the idea of keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? For if, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Uh, the parallel account over in the Gospel of Matthew says, how much more will your heavenly Father give what is good to those who ask him? And the ultimate gift that God could give us is to give his spirit to come and, and take out our heart of stone and give us a heart that is alive uh, uh, to God, that has fellowship uh, with the living God. And, and so here is a passage where Jesus is teaching us to pray without ceasing, to pray constantly. Well, we want to spend just a few minutes to think about uh, the cheerful scenario. 
And next week we're going to look at if anyone is suffering. And we're going to talk about how to pray in, in the midst of suffering constantly. But uh, today we're going to focus on just looking at some examples in Scripture of uh, uh, the child of God wants to be praying without ceasing, uh, giving thanks to God. Uh, turn with me to the book of James again, this time chapter 1. James chapter 1. And so in James chapter 1 we read, is our circumstance something that we um, it just happened? Um, or, or is there something else going on? In other words, if you have good things, if you're enjoying good food, uh, for example, uh, if you have a, a, a job and you're able to pay uh, your bills, and maybe even have some left over, uh, did that just happen? Well, James chapter 1, verse 16, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers, every good gift. He doesn't say some. He doesn't say most. He says every good gift, every perfect gift is from where? From above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so of all the gifts that God has given to us, salvation, redemption, uh, it has to be at the top of the list. And we ought to be a people who find ourselves thanking God for being our God on a regular basis. Just, just saying, thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, that you haven't left me in the pit. Thank you, Lord, that you've not only forgiven me, but you've adopted me as one of your little children. Turn with me to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. God says, don't forget to say thank you to God. Don't forget to be praising God for who He is and all of the blessings He showers upon us. And look at verse 3. What's first in the list? Who forgives all your iniquity. Of all the blessings that God has showered upon us, the gift of being reconciled to the true and the living God, here it is again, the very thing. Like the Lord Jesus saying in Luke chapter 11, of all the gifts that the Father could give you, He gives the Holy Spirit to make us alive. To give us a heart that is soft toward God. That believes in Jesus. That seeks to follow Jesus. We ought to be saying thank you. We ought to be full of praise. Now Psalm 103 goes on describing uh, many of the other blessings that God uh, gives to us. And we're going to look at, at some of these. Who heals all your diseases? Now, this past week, uh, I have been struck with um, how, how God ha has just had mercy. Last Sunday evening when I was preaching, I started losing my voice. And, you know, I, I felt fine in the afternoon, but by 
the evening I was just kind of dragging a little bit and I ended up getting sick some respiratory bug I didn't ask for it I didn't want it uh, Monday felt poorly Tuesday a little better and by Wednesday I thought now why did I get well now my voice is still a little froggy okay but but I feel good why did it just happen didn't take any medicine how did it happen verse 3 who heals all your diseases have you ever been sick have you ever broken a bone why did it knit back together because of God's amazing kindness to us. Is anyone cheerful? Are, are you happy you got over the respiratory bug? I ought to be saying thank you to Jesus. Not just once, but, you know, a bunch. Forget none of his benefits. Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Here's this picture of this, this word, steadfast love. Uh, it, it's one of my favorite Hebrew words. Uh, it's the word chesed. And keep your finger there, but turn with me on over in the Psalms to Psalm 136. Now, I'm not going to read the whole psalm. It's a very uh, a lengthy psalm. But see if you can figure out the theme of Psalm 136, okay? I'm just going to read a few verses and see if you can pick up now. You're going to have to listen carefully, okay? Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. And here's this word, this Hebrew word, steadfast love, everlasting love, uh, faithful mercy. Those are different ways this word can be translated. Give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spreads out the earth above the waters for his steadfast love endures forever. And yes, you can go through the whole psalm. And that's the thing. Everywhere the psalmist looked, he saw the hand of God. The hand of God showering him with his faithfulness, his covenant love, his steadfast love. And the response of God's people is what? Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lord, you're a great God. Lord, I rejoice in who you are and what you are doing. God calls upon us to be a people who pray without ceasing. Do you ever find yourself discouraged do you ever find yourself bored and my children learned that that was not an expression they wanted to use in our home because I had a cure for boredom uh, you know oh you're bored well I'll give you something to do and you won't be bored anymore but uh, God's cure for for boredom is, is for us to see anew and afresh the glory of God and then to praise Him and get to work 
doing what God calls us to be and, and do. So, all of the blessings of God, wherever we look, we've talked about salvation. And Scripture just has so, so much. Uh, we, we could spend weeks looking at uh, Psalms and passages of Scripture where we see uh, God's people just being caught up with the, who God is. Um, full of, of joy and, and gladness just in the God of our salvation and that God is at work. Then we think about the blessings that God showers upon, upon us. Psalm 127 and Psalm 128 talk about how uh, uh, the, the, the man, the woman who is blessed of God, God places us uh, in, in families, in his family. Uh, God gives us our, our own homes. Oh, what a blessing. God gives us children and grandchildren, gives this congregation uh, and our extended families. Children and grandchildren, they are a gift from God. And we give praise to God. We say, thank you, Lord. Uh, we could think about uh, the, the whole matter of, of food. Uh, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Something as basic as food. Um, in verse 1 of, of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. All the different foods that God has given to us. And what should we be doing when we eat something that's really good? We ought to be saying thank you. We ought to be saying thank you when you drink a glass of water. You know, what an incredible blessing it is to have clean, clear, sweet water to drink. When I was in school up in Philadelphia, I, I grew to appreciate clear, sweet, clean water by being repulsed by the water that came out of the faucet that was pumped out of the Schuylkill River. Uh, it, it was nicknamed the Shurkill River. And, uh, whoo, I, I mean, you could smell the water. Uh, it, it was not a pleasant odor. And, and to brush your teeth in that water, whoo, uh, it, it, I mean, the toothpaste didn't begin to disguise and here just in this past week i had the joy of visiting in one of the homes uh here in our congregation and they have mountain spring water Woo! you know i took a sip of it and i was like yes now that's water and when we experience that what should we do we ought to say thank you. Thank you to Jesus. We ought to be finding ourselves saying thank you, thank you, thank you. All through the day. When we see the beauty of God's creation. What should we be doing? We should be saying thank you. In 1 Timothy 4 he says, For everything but 
created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. All the variety of food that God has made. He, he could have just given us a bland, tasteless food fruit. You know? No taste. Or he could have made us without taste buds. And he could have made all of the incredible tastes of food, but made us without taste buds to not be able to enjoy it. But he did both. He made all of this incredible food and made us with taste buds. And why? It was so that we would say thank you to our good God. So that we would find ourselves constantly rejoicing in the Lord. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31. So then whether you eat <coughs> or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Of God. What does that mean? It means pray without ceasing. It means that when you're doing a job, maybe you've got a hard schoolwork assignment <coughs> and you finally get it done. What should you do when you finish? You'll say, Thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm glad that's done. Thank you. Lord, that wasn't my favorite job, but I sought to do it for you. And now, thank you. I can do something else. You see, we ought to be full of praise to our God and thanksgiving to our good God. If it's received with thanksgiving in accordance with the Word of God. Have you ever thought about what a blessing it is that we have the Bible? Did you know that there are people in the world today that are willing to risk their very lives just so that they can have one page of a Bible in their possession? They risk their lives People in communist China, North Korea, some of the Islamic nations, they, they risk their lives. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, uh, God says um, in verse 6, talking about his commandments, keep them and do them for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who when they hear all these statutes will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? How do we know uh, what's right, what's wrong? How do we know the gospel? How do we know who God is? God has spoken. He has given us his word. So we praise God for food. We praise God for the gifts and abilities he's given to us. We praise God for the station that he has designed and made for us to serve him in we praise him that he is at work we praise him just for who he is turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28 here's a passage that describes the blessings God will shower upon his people if they love him and the curses that he will give if they turn away from him. And you can read this chapter, and then when you step back and look, you can see that this is really an outline for the history 
of, of the Old Testament people of God. Uh, we find them turning away from the true and the living God over and over and over. And down in this passage, he describes what it is that they did or didn't do that was the expression of their unbelief and rejection of the true and the living God. And I want you to look at it, just a couple of verses. Look at verse 45 and following. All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring forever because... Now, notice verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. Isn't that a striking verse? What was the expression of the unbelief of Old Testament Israel? It was that in the face of God showering, blessing upon blessing upon blessing, they didn't serve the Lord with a glad heart. They didn't say thank you. They weren't praying without ceasing. When a good gift would be given to them, they didn't say thank you. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 16. And here we have now a, a, a passage where God is rebuking his people. The northern kingdom has fallen. Samaria is no more. Uh, it, it had been gobbled up by the Assyrian Empire. And now Judah is in the process of being judged and destroyed. And it's because they turned to false gods. They turned away from their glorious bridegroom and became an unfaithful bride. And I want you to notice in Ezekiel chapter 16, in verse 40. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom, talking about the northern kingdom of Israel, and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done, because this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease but did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. Samaria has not committed half your sins. Talking about the southern kingdom. And, and so what was going on? They had pride and arrogance. And when I find myself not... Praying constantly, saying thank you to Jesus. My heart is full of pride. I'm being arrogant. I've forgotten that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. That's wicked. I have started living like a practical atheist. Now, if you ever came up to me and said, Henry, are you an atheist? Do you deny that God exists? And I would say, of course not. But when I find myself just being cold toward God and not being just full of amazement at who God is, One of the expressions of that is 
Little Henry is not saying thank you. Or he's not saying it much. But God is worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Oh, I pray God will grow me and each of us to be those who find ourselves praying without ceasing. Wherever we look, we see the hand of God. Whether we're looking at creation, the beauty of it, we ought to just be saying, Lord, you're an amazing God. You know, if the sun was any closer to the earth, we'd be burnt up. And if the sun was much further from the earth, I mean, I'm talking not much at all, we'd be an ice cube. But God placed the sun and the earth at just the right distance so that we're not burnt up and we're not ice cubes. Isn't God amazing? <laughs> Romans chapter 1. Here are people who reject God. And I want you to notice the description. Look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give what? Or give thanks to him. Isn't that striking? And here we see. And so I don't know about you, but it, it, it's kind of shaking. Uh, for me, you know, I read the Bible. I, I, I pray uh, every day. But the Lord has really convicted my heart as I've been thinking about this passage of Scripture. I, I confess to you, I, I don't always pray without ceasing. But I want to. And if you're a child of God, you want to grow as well. That the Lord would stir us up and open our eyes to see more of the loving kindness of our God everywhere we go, everywhere we look. I'm not going to read these two passages, but I'm just going to make reference to them as we close. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 4 and chapter 5, God brings his servant John and pulls the curtain of heaven back and says, John, I'm just going to give you a glimpse. And God has recorded that glimpse for us. And in chapter 4, we see the throne room of God Almighty. And the angelic host is there in his presence, surrounded uh, the throne. And the saints who have gone before are adding their voices. And there is praise and thanksgiving going on. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. And so we ought to be just caught up, uh, even now, praising God, thanking God. And then in chapter 5, um, uh, John is weeping uh, because he looks, this world's a messed up world. Anybody ever experienced the sorrow and the heartache of living in a messed up world? I'm telling you, sin, oh, what a mess it makes. Is there any hope? And praise God, what John's going, oh, there's no hope. There's nobody who is found worthy to fix the mess. 
And then one of the one of the angelic hosts steps forward. One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. There is somebody who has the power and the authority to put into effect making things right. His name is Jesus, the Son of God who's come in the flesh. And so, what happens? Well, I mean, heaven couldn't be quiet. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Pray without ceasing. Let's pray. Father, we beg that you would deliver us from uh, having hearts that are, are, are callous toward you and cold. Uh, that, Lord, we would have eyes to see by your grace. Uh, your goodness, your beauty, your perfections, your promises. You would bring them to our mind all through the day. And when we go to bed at night, and you would set our hearts uh, to singing praise to you, whether our circumstances are, are easy or hard, just because of who you are. And Lord, we would be a people who, when you give us uh, gifts, we would be quick to say thank you. Oh, Lord God, write that upon my heart, upon the hearts of, of these dear ones. And now bless as we continue to worship you together. In Jesus we pray. Amen.